nice things. Hello, good evening, and welcome to another thrilling and fun-packed edition of Nice Things, the antidote, nice. the antidote to modern living. And joining myself today is a uh, Brigadier Sir General Paul Carmichael. I think today, Brigadier Sir General Paul Carmichael. Um, I'd better be Field Marshal Livesley. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, right, nice things this week. It's been, first of all, let's discuss things that aren't nice, which are the heat. I don't like the heat. I don't like the heat. No. I mean, I we, as we are recording this, uh, it is, of course, in the afternoon at the moment, and it's roasting out there. It is. And just before we started recording, you were regretting the fact that you're not in your tartan trousers, which, as we both know, is the law. It is the law. I should be in tartan trousers. I shall admonish myself later for this error. Um, However, could it be that you've uh, you've taken the right decision there? Because I am in tartan trousers, and I am yes. fully regretting this. Ah, but you are the brigadier. Doesn't he show up in tartan trousers in Terror of the Zygons? He does do that, indeed. We're not meant to be discussing Doctor Who this Oh, ah, yeah. No, we're not. <laughs> and we're not. I don't like... I mean, Doctor, Doctor what? I've never Ooh, heard of it. I've never heard of it. Um... <laughs> So yeah, it's too hot. It's not Christmas yes. yet. So we must no. we must bowl along as we hurtle along this summer thing. So what yes. have your nice things been this week? What nice things do you have to share with us, all, Paul? Nice things this week. Well, I mean, you're right. It's the wrong time of year for nice things, it which is. is unfortunate time to say we've launched this podcast thing. It is. Um, you know, the, the, we're going to have to sort of mine the well here, aren't we? But there were a couple of nice things which um, yes. turned up. You know, when you do those eBay purchases and you see that it's up there with a starting bit of a quid you know, that'll never happen because yeah. everybody else will spot this and I, I will lose this so i had one of those this week uh, where it was starting price of a fiver yeah i thought well these will rock it they'll go absolutely sky high so i'm not getting them well yeah. but i'll put a fiver on it and yesterday they turned up Ooh. and uh, here we have the Oh, now Mrs. Farrell's kitchen is letting me down yes, here. Yes, it is. Mr. Farrell's... Yes. Bad CSO work. Yes. Oh, dear. Maybe hold it against here. your T-shirt. Hold it in front of your T-shirt or something. In front of the T-shirt. There it is. Yeah, there you go. Oh, there nice. That's very, very nice. very first Blue Peter book, not annual. We don't do those. And, um, and the third as well. Oh, very nice. Now... So uh, my, my Blue Peter, being a Catholic, being raised of the Catholic persuasion, yeah. um, my knowledge of Blue Peter is scant. I However, if we were to talk about Magpie. Oh, yes, absolutely. Oh, yes. Mick Robertson, Ed <laughs> Stupot. I remember Ed Stupot's column in Looking, you know, um, which my memory's telling me is called It's a Cracker, but I'm certain it wasn't. Um, mm. Ed Stupot's It's a Cracker. Um, <laughs> but as we've um, realised doing these things, there is a, a strong vein of willful ignorance that that that's purveying all of these, pervading all of these conversations, because if we don't know something and we remember it incorrectly, we prefer the incorrect memory to go in and finding out whether we're right or not, don't we? We, we absolutely do, yeah. We do. We absolutely do. Um, so uh, to this day, I'm, I will always be convinced that Blue Peter used to go out on Mondays and Fridays. I know it didn't. Didn't it? I, I know it, it absolutely didn't. There was a Thursday. Now, I know that, but even now, if I watch an old one and they say, we'll see you on Thursday, I think, well, why? Are people coming around your house? It's not for the show. But I, I know I'm wrong, but, but in my mind, it's Friday. All right, let's, let's unpack that from the start of the Roman point of view. Um, right, so it was only on once a week. No, no, it was on twice a week. It was on twice. 
Yeah, right. Mondays and Thursdays. But in my mind, it's very clearly Monday, Friday. And now, I, I, re- I don't know why. I can't shake it. I remember we were allowed to watch it when they made a, a Christmas sort of stable out of matchsticks. And, yeah. and I still have that one upstairs. So I've, st- I've actually still got, I'm going to dig that out of the loft. I remember making it with my mum. I remember us getting matchsticks, little cardboard stable mm. um, with the little plastic figures of um, the wise men and whatnot. Yeah. And then we stuck the matchsticks all around it and, and painted them probably with creosote or something that's banned now. Mm. But that's that, that memory. And again, this is the sort of the way that nice things work. Uh, that memory is tied to the school nativity play where um, I suppose I did a podcast the other day and I was asked, you know, what was, you know, why did you get into acting and that? And I never even thought of this, but I suppose the first acting job ever was Joseph in the school nativity play. I don't know about you. Um, mine, <laughs> mine was uh, also in a similar play, uh, but at the age of, I think probably seven or so, uh, I successfully petitioned um, for the role of the angel of death um, <laughs> who, who strikes down the, the babies. Um, and yeah, I, I came up with, uh, there was a piece of music that was played and I came up with something that I thought was suitably wonderful piece of physical theater uh, rampaging around the place, very arch. I had no interest in playing anybody nice at that point. Do you want to play Joseph? No, no. boring. Angel of death, yes. Well. I just imagine this sort of little seven-year-old you in a black leotard, just <laughs> just sitting off in the playground, smoking endless sort of tree ball cigarettes, <laughs> and getting angry because you know it was the same thing last time, Malcolm. I told them we need a proper script. We need- <laughs> well, no, but you know, prima donna before your time, like. Absolutely. I mean, I can ah. certainly, if I, if I think about my falling out with religion, because I was brought up, you know, with religion as part of my, my life, uh, I think my disillusionment with religion started um, when I was at church and we'd rehearse a nativity play. And again, I petitioned and got the role of Herod, which oh. I thought, yeah, Herod, that suits. Um, and then when it came to performing this thing for the congregation who was there, they decided that it was going on a bit long. Nobody's fault, apart from maybe the director, not that yeah. there was one particularly, um, bloke called Brian, as I recall. And so <laughs> he made the executive decision during the show to do some pruning, and suddenly Herod was out whilst I was sat there dressed in full costume. Terrible. I remember being very angry about that. I'm that sure was... you were. Did you sack your agent? <laughs> oh, I should have died instead of no. Well, I burst into tears and walked out. It's it seemed it, the most sensible thing to do. It's yeah. Well, I, it still is, isn't it? Yes. You know, what I mean, Always, that's the thing, yeah. you know, you don't the get thing. your own way. Cry and walk. Yes, or shit yourself. <laughs> you know, either works. Um, well, people respect you for it. Yeah. They they do. They do not when yes. they're mopping up. Um, no, but, but yeah, I, I, there is a sort of there's a there's an unfair kind of dominance hierarchy in those school plays, isn't there? You know, it's kind of, if you can't cut the mustard, you end up being a donkey or something like that. You know, I mean, I, I sort of, I was very proud of being Joseph, you know? Yeah. Um, but then when you think about it, I was playing the, you know, the biggest cuckold in history. So maybe not, you know, <laughs> you know who knows? Um, but Blue Peter annuals, they look, they look lovely. Um, well, they absolutely are, yes. Um, is it Valerie Singleton? Who's the Val Singleton. Al Singleton, the fellow who looks like my Uncle Al. 
I always think. This chap here. Yeah, who's he? That's Christopher Trace. Christopher Trace. Now, yes. I can tell just in the inflection in your voice there, he makes you feel very, very happy. He does, but, well, obviously, I mean, he, he does make me feel very happy. If you, if you watch a really early one of these, yeah, it's, it's got no connection, I don't believe, with uh, the reality of being young in 1962, unless you live in the Cotswolds, maybe. Yes. Because it is very much, it's, it's railway um, models and, and things like that. You know, it, it, it bears nothing, no resemblance to even my own childhood about 10, 15 years later. But it should have done, because there is that mm. part of me that wants my childhood to have been, I suppose, ultimately like uh, Kay Harker's in the Box of Delights. That's the yeah. Childhood. Well, we were we were fed that diet, weren't we? We were fed mm. that diet of the public school and stuff like that. Even for my own part, with reading like the Dandy comic and that, there was a mm. there was a strip in that titled Winker Watson, um, and um, yeah, I know, um, <laughs> <laughs> and. You know, we had, what was the thing we had as kids? The Just William things we had as kids. Um, yeah. We had the, you know, the Billy Bunter thing was always there. This, this sort of, uh, it was Johnny, Johnny James thing yes. was that. I mean, it's the thing that Viv lampooned so fantastically. And I suppose yeah. we, we um, occupied that interesting time frame. We know this from, from teaching younger um, people than us. So you present them with something like Five Gone Mad, right? Mm. Now, we remember that. Well, I'm certain that you share in this. When that came out, it was the most amazing. Because we'd had the TV series. I don't know if you watched that. It was an ITV one, but the famous five on a no. Sunday afternoon. No, it oh, wasn't no. allowed. So, no, no, no. So ITV. Was, was it Southern Television? Yes, it was a Southern job, I think. Yeah, afraid not, no. So, so there was a series called The Famous Five, but it was an updated one. But mm. this thing was just, when the comic strip first did it and you first saw it, we were seeing sacred cows um, you know, slaughtered right in front of us, weren't we? We absolutely were. And of course, the other thing about that, which I think makes it even more special, is of course that was transmitted on the opening night of Channel 4. Yeah. So suddenly, I think that was a big statement from Channel 4, have a look at this, um, yeah. for that wonderful, wonderful pastiche. No more wonderful than, of course, for the fact that it stars Ronald Allen as uh, Uncle Quentin. For years, I've been... <laughs> <laughs> now, that, and it's, that, to be honest with you, was a bigger slaughtering, a bigger cow slaughter than Blyton's work, seeing the chap out of Crossroads just, just, cr just off his nut. You were like, hang on, that'd be like, what was his name? Christopher Trace, did you say? Yes, yeah. That, that'd be like seeing him pop up in The Young Ones or something. It's like, what is this? No, absolutely, absolutely, and to have this person who you, who had what was he? He called it an economical acting style. Was how he <laughs> described it. So, yeah, I personally think he's wonderful. If you watch his eyes, he does mm. so much work with his eyes. It's just he doesn't use any other part of his body. Um, Ambassadors of Death being a great example as well. Yeah, brilliant. But I'll tell you what he can do. He can hold a frame. If he holds a frame so well, just sort of like absolute equidistance all around him as he holds frame and so all the acting is up here he's a bit like pat troughton i think in the way that both of them were really television actors they weren't yeah. theater they weren't film ronnie allen went to america and tried films and he was in two and they oh no don't like that hard work <laughs> um but well you wonderful. can imagine you can imagine something like crossroads 
mm. was, I mean, you know how it gets in education, how people are very parochial and very territorial. And when they've been there a long time, this is mine and that's my stapler and all the other stuff yeah. that human beings are prone to. Mm. So, I mean, how long was he in Crossroads? 14 years he did. I think, let's see, he did Compact first, where he was the right. editor of a ladies' magazine. And then he went into United, which was another soap opera. Peter Ling, responsible for that, and Compact, and then Crossroads. Um, I think that ran 65 to 67 United, about 150, 180 episodes. Not one exists at all from that. Yeah. Then right. you get this uh, period when after that he goes and he does some film work out in the States. He does a, an action film called Hellboats, um, where he looks particularly sweaty, dressed as a colonial type. Um, the Projected Man, which was a B-movie, and then from that you go into the guest telly and then you go into a 14-year stint being economical. So the 14-year stint, I mean, I, I can't imagine what that's like. I can't imagine that that's my chair, that's my this, this is my that, and then can you imagine going into that show and it'd be a kind of, you know what I mean? Yeah. I should imagine, it looks like he could... He looks like he could really lose his shit. Well, it's it's an interesting one on that. With the only person who had a chair, certainly at uh, the Crossroads rehearsal rooms, which were located above a slaughterhouse, so just tank of animal carcasses all the time. The only person who had their own chair was Noel Gordon. Right. Uh, she had a she had a chair, um, and nobody sat in that chair. But um, because that's somebody, and that, she's such an impressive thing, isn't she? That was a, a television executive. She was the only person employed by ATV, ITV, on the whole show. Everybody else, you know, was on weekly contracts. Hmm. And that was it. So for 14 years, you would do, the, do that show. Or 24 years, in Jane Rossington's case. And you're on a weekly contract. You don't know if you're working the next week until about a week before. So characters can just be written out, especially if Noel Gordon doesn't like you. Yeah, that's right, isn't it? I mean, she was the real matriarch of that. Absolutely. Um, I mean, going back to this slaughtering of cows thing and the and the Channel Four setting out their stall mm. on that first night. I mean, do you remember that? This is my memory again, and again, we have a very loose affiliation with the fl with with the flats with the facts here. Yes. Um, and so Channel 4, as I recall it, was showing every afternoon in the run-up to them opening um, a thing called Smike with Daniel Day-Lewis in. Now, Smike's uh, a minor character from, what is it, David Copperfield or something? Or Great Expectations or... Yes. Or, or something. Yeah, and they were showing that every afternoon. I don't know why it was like a theatrical production of it. Um, but that's uh, sort of one thing, but something that I loved more than anything, right? And, and as we spoke last week, we were on about how we, we liked days off school, didn't we? We didn't like going oh, yeah. to school. Ooh, now, yeah. part of that, speaking personally, I can link to the aforementioned juvenile acquisition of a video cassette recorder, right? Yes. So once you had things, once you had sort of like, you know, in your case, once you had Paul TV, that yes. you could watch, then you didn't go to bed very early. No, no. So I remember one night... You know, nothing. TV went off, didn't it? You know, you had, I suppose, in your case, the national anthem went on, and then absolutely on Granada, we had this. I think it was called like "Salute to Granada" or something like that. They had this orchestral piece, and then it went off, didn't it? You know, and then it sort of 
you know, I remember staying up to make sure that the you know, I was I was convinced that they didn't have that on all night, and they didn't. They used to turn mm. that off after ten minutes. Cheap bastards. <laughs> but I remember one night staying up late, and after the boo ended, a bit of Genesis of the Daleks came on, and I was like, "Oh, this Ooh. is interesting." Yeah. So, do you remember that? How they used to play stuff out in the night as like tests on BBC Two. I have no memory of that whatsoever. Um, I I often wonder what that was. Well, yeah, if I think about those closed-down moments, um, I remember they they felt very special because I could watch... uh, Well, I could see that globe spinning for uh, for ages, uh, watch that spinning. The the time that I most think about with that, uh, um, 1986, when Halley's Comet... Oh, yeah. uh, Came round. And the BBC had live coverage. And of course, uh, we had this satellite that was about to fly so close to it and send pictures back. And then the bloody thing didn't work, of course. So you're just left with Patrick Moore and whoever else it was in the studio um, ending this program. Oh, we don't know anything. Good night. Um, (laughs) And it had been such a long pro. And I recorded that. Um, I got I, I got a special E180 tape um, to record that. I haven't still got it. I think I must have wiped it because of the, nothing happened. Well, tapes. I I remember getting the first because the first videos I remember buying blank wise. And yeah. now I remember when we rented the video recorder from Granada. Um, it came with something like a thirty minute, oh no, a sixty minute cassette potentially. Right. You got an hour one. I remember buying my first E180. And I've, I've, my memory is that you could only get them at the video rental shops, the mm. tapes. Now, that could be wrong. And don't forget, I lived in a little tiny place. So, you know, that's, that's, but I remember getting one from there. And the only ones I could buy was scotch. They were the only ones that I could get. Mm. And then I thought, man, I remember getting a scotch one in a gold box that was EXG plus. Is that right? Uh-huh. They did yes, different the, grades, didn't they? They did, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, this this is that other sort of, you know, when, when they talk about junking archives and that, that's the thing we had to make a compromise ourselves, didn't we, about what we kept, because the tapes were so bloody expensive in my memory. Well, we did to begin with. I think that certainly when I, hmm, I think I remember by about 1987 um, that you could buy... I used to buy tapes from uh, Curry's Electrician, uh, Electricals on uh, Speak Retail Park. I used to go there for my E180s, but they weren't Scotch. Oh, no, no. They're like more of a Yashima or something. Something they? like that, yeah. yeah. Um, but, but at the time, I just thought, well, it's just a cheap version. And, of course, it's telling now that we're talking, what, nearly 35 years later, and yet my Scotch tapes still play. Yeah, that's it. Whereas my Yashima ones don't. And the ones that... I- I could then get from uh, Richer Sounds um, when Richer Sounds opened and they were 99p for a video. Whoa, lovely. Um, they just started repeating Rising Damp and yeah. for some reason I was very committed to watching and recording Emmerdale. I'm not quite sure why. Um, because Oh no, I do actually. It was because Sally Nivette from Blake 7 was in it and I fancied her. Um, not, Fra- not Fraser then? Fraser was playing her husband. And they yeah, had a, well there you go. So yeah, it was, it was a Fraser Hines See, vibe. That's it. You've got the two of them there then. Um, and yeah, so I do, but those tapes didn't last. I Love Lucy was another thing. And of course, I Love Lucy comes online. I was recording them and then that was one of the first tapes to break. 
<clears throat> and I naturally thought, well, that's it. 50-year-old sitcom gone forever. Little thinking that now, of course, I've got well, a, a box set that big that's got them all in. So. For 10 pence. Yes. Something like that. <laughs> Stuff's worth nothing, is it? You yeah. know, I'm, I'm beginning to realise here that Channel 4 was very much your gateway drug to embracing ITV. Wasn't it? Because Channel 4 comes along, it starts repeating old stuff, uh, <laughs> like Man About the House or whatever. What did you mention? Rising Damp or whatever? Rising Damp? No, do you know what? It, it wasn't. Because whereas ITV was banned because it was common and Catholic, common. Channel 4 was banned because, of course, all the papers were, all they talked about was that it was just going to be sex. So that yes, was, that was a disappointment, wasn't it? I used it was, to stay up was, late on a Thursday night for was it pink triangle films or something? It was red triangle. Red triangle red films triangles. on a Thursday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, monkey yes. bastard, you're worse than me. <laughs> now the one I remember, I remember one called. Oh man, I can't remember that. I remember there was one called Jonah who will be 25 in the year 2000, which was sort of a lot of Volvos and roll neck. <laughs> jumpers and people sat around smoking fags talking about intellectual things about this child who was going to grow up nary a nipple to be seen so these things <laughs> were, were completely missold to me and there was one called Arbel now Arbel was quite filthy actually right if you manage to uh, come across that one you'll you'll see exactly what I mean um but yeah they were for the most part the red triangle films were a damp squib um, they were so yes yeah, unfortunately, no. So that wasn't my, my gateway drug at all. I mean, even the Avengers repeats and the repeats of The Prisoner passed me by at that point. Um, but that was probably because I knew they were originally ITV shows and that had been sort of like ah, deeply ah, embedded in my psyche. So I, I, I'm, so I think that maybe the little loophole you had was ITC. Potentially ITC was all right. I don't know. Well, so, well you know what, what it was? Um, there was a junk shop. I mean, a proper, proper junk shop. Not like a charity shop selling nice things, apart from the really good stuff that they put on nice. eBay. This was just a shop with shit in. Broken pieces of wood. <laughs> just they were great crap. shops. Oh, it's a wonderful shop. Yeah. Uh, run by a, a little, little old man with a cap and a cigarette hanging out of his mouth, um, dressed like he was something from the 1940s. Um, and it was on Pickton Road in Liverpool. And one day I went past it, probably when I was going to Ogre Books, that was on also. Oh, I've got a great story about Ogre Books. Love Ogre Books. But going up there, past this junk shop, and I looked in the window, and there's a VHS tape. And this must have been about 1989, I think, because the year before, Crossroads had finished on television. Um, and they'd released three episodes on a Pickwick videotape, um, right. which were, uh, there's a wedding, there's the, the fire, um, and there's Noel Gordon floating off on the QE2 um, when she doesn't die in the fire. And it was in the window, and it was 50p. <laughs> and so I got that, and that was it. At that wow. point, I went, oh, I like I like this. It feels different. It looks different because something that we've talked about, of course, is colour when it yeah. comes to uh, the TV channels and the fact that BBC colour and ITV colour was different. Yeah. Um, at ITV on ITV recordings, they'd just notch the colour up a bit to make everything a bit brighter, um, which is unfortunate on Crossroads because most of the sets were brown. But <laughs> uh, 
But I noticed all that, and I saw the ATV in colour, Logan. Oh, suddenly yeah. that did it. That was the love for, for television right. on a much wider scale. So it was in, in it was actually see for me the ITC thing and the um, ATV are quite indivisible, really, in many ways, aren't they? The, the they part are. of that great empire. Yeah. Um, but Olga Book, she said, was on Pickerton Road. Pickerton Road, yeah. Pickton Road, right. Um, because the one I remember was on London Road, which was by the Odeon. Do you remember that one? I do. There was one there. Yeah. Now, that I has got one of the nicest things. That's one of the, you know, we can talk about nice things and nice memories, and that's one of the nicest, nice things ever, that, because I went in Ogre Books because they had a few, like, 1968, 69 Beanos in the window, and I thought, oh, that'll do me. So I went in there, and I was like, blah, 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 how much are these? And he said, oh, and he was, they were like three quid each and stuff, which was quite a lot, really, in probably about 1990, 91. But, you know, mm. you talk about things that are worth 20 quid each now, so it's comparative. And he said, yeah, oh, yeah. We're, sh- we're closing down. It's going, you know what I mean? I've just dragged these up out of the basement. I mean, do you want to go down there and have a look, see if there's any more? And it was like, uh, yeah, yes, I do. So anyway, I goes down into the bowels of this Olga Books on London Road, and it's just like something out of Indiana Jones, lined with, like, you know, stacks and stacks and stacks of magazines and comics and newspapers and books. It was unbelievable. So he said, all right, well, I've got to, you know, go for me dinner or whatever. I'll leave you in here. Oh, all right, then. About an, about an hour and a half later, maybe. Two hours, maybe I was in there longer, I don't know. I emerged with like a couple of co- couple of beanos that I dug out and he was like, oh, all right, I'll give him the three, six quid. However, however, I'm afraid that I am a product of my environment and I'm not proud of this. <laughs> okay. But, but I walked out of there like the tin man out of, <laughs> out of uh, the Wizard of Oz because I had rolled around every limb of my body. <laughs> uh, yeah, I had about 50 copies of 60s beanos around my purse, you know what I mean? Rolled around the leg, around, and he's like, I'll get the dough for you, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, here on the shelves up here, I have got, you know, my entire 60s beano collection is thanks to Ogre Books that I hope the man isn't listening or watching, you know, but um, I know I am really not proud of me. It's one of those things, I'm not proud of myself, but I'm a little bit sort of happy I did it. Well, because you you've know, still got them. Because I've still got them. And I like to think that had they been left in that basement, they'd have just been pulped, you know. They so. would have been. So I mean, it's know. absolutely certain that they would have been. Yeah, yeah. So I, I did I did the, the nation a service there, you know. Absolutely. You absolutely did, clearly. No, yes. Was... I'm not saying that I was one of those chaps who would sort of, you know, capture German machine gun nests in the war, but we're not far off. We're not too no. far off that level no, no, of bravery. Are we? Yeah. So anyway, um, red triangle films and the note I had to make about that. Now you see, for me, and I didn't know you at all at this time, but for mm. me that foreshadowed the the equally disappointing, very tame, dirty films that live TV used to put out. Now they were very, very tame. I remember one called Naughty Blue Knickers, which could yes. not have been less naughty or blue. Um, you know, and and well, you can pick this up here because didn't you used to doctor the damn things? Well, yeah, we did um, at live TV. What it, it was for a section. Uh, let's see, eleven o'clock used to be Tiffany's Big City Tips, 
in which yes. Tiffany Bannister she just took her top off. Took take her top off whilst reading the uh, stock exchange results for the day. That's right. Um, yes. Um, then we went into the sex show. The sex show, which was on occasion presented by a certain Miss Esther McVeigh. Um, yes. 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 Oh, no, I don't actually remember from that. I remember from being on some God Squad thing on a Sunday morning. But I do remember that sex show thing. Yes. Yeah. Helen was Gibson was the other main presenter. Helen Gibson. Oh, you see, this is, this is terrible, this. I think I've got a few Yoshimas of this stuff somewhere. Yes. But then after that, you would get exotica erotica. <laughs> uh, exotica erotica this is hilarious yeah, was, Paul. Um, <laughs> because is, i was is, the, is it all coming the, flooding back it is i was on the consumer end of this transaction yes. go on <laughs> exotica erotica was the half an hour a night eleven thirty till midnight uh pornography film <laughs> transmission um but what we do um at live is you just buy hardcore porn that had a plot, so you were looking for sex and plot line, and then you would just edit out um, the, you know, any anything that you couldn't show on the broadcasting regulations, yes. but you would show everything else. Um, and yeah, thanks, Paul. Yes, that worked rather well. Um, Says apart who? from one day when there was an accidental playout, um, when for about it was only for about seven and a half minutes. But for seven and a half minutes, play out from Canary Wharf was one of the uncut videos. And we broadcast <laughs> seven and a half minutes of hardcore. I think this is before the R18 rating was even out. Um, but uh, yeah, we did that, but nobody noticed. In the same way as uh, one day during the kids section on a Saturday morning, the wrong tape was played out. And any of the children watching to see interviews with the Spice Girls or whatever were suddenly treated to two and a half minutes uh, vet program in which a kitten was put to sleep. <laughs> things things went wrong occasionally. Well, that sounds like I'm 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 unhappy that I missed the seven and a half minutes of hardcore porn. I must say I, di- I I didn't know that was happening. Oh no, um, that was certainly unscheduled. Mm. Kids telly and 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 cheap crappy versions thereof. I remember getting an on digital box in '99 simply oh. for Carlton Select. Carlton Select and Carlton Cinema. Yeah, Carlton Select were repeating things like Wurzel Gummidge and Erline mm. uh, with Roy Marsden and yes. uh, stuff like that. So I was like, I got an on-digital box. And they were crap. If you remember them, you had to have an aerial. And yep. they were garbage. They were the first digital TV. Um, but there used to be a kids show around Wurzel. It was played out as part of Carlton Kids in the morning. Yes. Oh, my God, those you know, I mean, kids' TV is banal enough, but that was dreadful. There was a, a lad on it, he did a thing called Chuckarama. Some lad called Chuck, and he just had big ears, and he was, you know, awful, absolutely awful. The girl on it ended dreadful. up doing other things. You know, she's on, like, proper kids' telly now. Mm. But these, these stations, they remind me of a thing, these kids, the sort of lower end of the spectrum. On the, I mean, talk about done on the cheap. Yeah. Do you remember a thing called the Mersey Pirate when you were a kid? Oh, God, I do. Billy yeah. Butler. Billy Butler. Who was It's very with? vague. It's dead yes. vague. Wasn't he like Stan Boardman or someone? Something like that, yeah. So, so vague, that. Were you allowed to... And it to... did come from a ferry, didn't it? From one yeah. of the ferries. Yeah, yeah, down in Liverpool. I mean, were you allowed to listen to things like Billy and Wally's Hold Your Plums on a Sunday? 
I do remember Hold Your Plums being um, played um, every, every Sunday afternoon religiously. Um, was that, but before that, I remember, was it Roger Phillips? Yeah. Um, and he used to do a section. <laughs> he used to do a section where he'd play old music. It was the equivalent of the New World Symphony. And he'd just riff. Ah, oh, do you remember when your nan would make your tea and you'd go out? Paul, and, uh, you might be about to help me out here in, in the most unimaginably huge way ever. You, you, you might be. I, I pray you know what I'm talking about here, right? Right. Okay, strap yourself in. So there used to be someone, I don't know who the bloody hell it was, but it was either on Radio City or BBC Radio Merseyside, who used to play bits of Steptoe or Hancock or whatever it was, and he'd, he'd pull the fader down where it was Sid, and he'd join in, oh, hey, Hancock, blah, 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 and then it'd be, oh, it's no good. So, and then he'd interact, and he'd do the same with Steptoe. He'd be sort of like, you know, oh, hey, Harold, and then the fader would go back up. Yeah, I understand what it's like. Oh, don't be like that, Harold. <laughs> now... It was terrible. It was terrible. But over the years, this, oh, hey, Hancock, has sort of haunted me. Please tell me you know what that was. I do. I do remember oh, it. And I can't, yes. but I can say no more than that. But it happened. It did happen. I remember that. It was terrible, wasn't it? It awful. was terrible, terrible. Absolutely awful. It's like those guys now on uh, YouTube who you see, and they put, they've got the audio from a Hancock's half hour, and they've got the sort of, the Homburg on and the Astrakhan collar and they've got the outfit of Hancock on and they'll mime to the audio from a Hancock episode. Oh, this exists, I can assure you. Right, why, why, why do they, what, why? I don't know. I really don't know. I don't know. I don't know why he did R.A. Hancock, but he did. <laughs> but he did, you know. And this stuff was riotously popular. I remember, I remember it being, you know, people would piss the pants at it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But and that not... Sunday morning thing was, and if you've never had a plate of my mum scouse, then you've never lived before <laughs> in my Liverpool. <laughs> it's like every Sunday morning <laughs> that was on. Mm. You were spurred that, weren't you? I was completely I spurred. Um, bus full of hangovers down the docks and all that. You know, anyway, it doesn't matter. It's terrible. <laughs> terrible. Okay. Not, not nice things. No, no, not nice. <laughs> not nice but, things. But... Mm. But, but then again, I, I, I think local radio. Doesn't local radio do something, do something absolutely wonderful? If you think back to those jingles, 194 Radio City, you yeah. can hear that being sung. Yeah. And I imagine it's the same for people wherever they are in the country. You'll remember back those lovely jingles being sung. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that one. I remember in 1979, 80 it would be, the little radio that we had in the house. My mum put little... Di diamond stickers all over it with one and two and three and four on it because they changed all the frequencies on the radio around that time. And oh, so that she could tune it to the right. Yeah. And now yeah. I, I, know, I don't know what this was. I don't know why it was. I just remember it very well, the radio having these little diamonds that in no way matched up to the new frequencies, by the way. She no. put them in completely <laughs> the wrong places. But I remember the little diamond stickers. I mean, mm. stickers weren't as thick on the ground as they are now. You can get, you know, stickers are 10 a penny now. A sticker was a thing to be home when we were a kid, as was a badge. Or maybe mm. that's just because we were very poor. I don't know, Paul. Were badges a rarity in your life? I don't remember them being a rarity. I think I, I remember them being something that were collected. Um, but then again, so were uh, erasers for quite some oh, time. Oh, man. Yeah. There was a thing for collecting them. And I never quite 
got that. I never quite understood that. Um, too American so, for you, dear. It, it was actually along with sticker albums. <laughs> so, you know, look at my latest Panini sticker album. No, that's going to cost a lot. No, I, I refused. That that is my that's that's that is delicious. I'm just I'm just imagining you looking at a football '82. No. No, no, absolutely not. Can you exchange this? No, I can't. Absolutely not. How dare you think not, I could? I'm not even talking to you. Yes. Brilliant. Yeah, I can. Well, actually, I was a sucker for the old Panini albums. Um, really? Yes, I was. Did yes. you ever complete one? Ever? I did, actually. Yeah, yeah, I did. And I had to write away. You know, you had to send off for the last little stickers you wanted. Oh, you could send off for about five. Yes, that's right. Yeah. I yeah. tell you, though, it, as you say, it cost a bloody fortune. Mm. They should no, have absolutely. done ones for, for boys like you with sort of historical figures. And, oh, I would have gone with that. Yes. Kings and, and queens of kings old England. Kings and queens, yes. But they'd have only sold about four of them, wouldn't they? They would have done, but I see nothing wrong with a niche market. Well, no, I'm just wondering. If it's appealing to me, if it's appealing to me, there's nothing wrong with it. I can't see you being able to swap um, something like, (laughs) let's have a think now. So, Thomas Cranmer, if anyone's got an hand, please. (laughs) Yes, exactly that. You know, so someone's got a Ray Clements. And there's no, there's no way they're swapping it for a Thomas Cranmer, is there? No, 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 no. Does, does he but... play for Notts County? No. <laughs> of course he doesn't, dear. No, no. <laughs> no, I, I never completed one. It's a bit like when you used to get um, parchments. Um, par- no, not parchments. Jesus, what are they called? You know, magazines that you, they release a, a certain number in. Partworks. Partworks. Parchments, yes. for Partworks. Parchments. Yes. Um, yes. I, I never, ever uh, got into those at all, I don't think. I don't think I ever got one of those. No. Um, just because I would automatically tot up how much it was going to be. And, oh, no. Mm-hmm. It's far too much. Well, there was ones that were like models, weren't they? And you got like, mm. so there'd be one that was the Murray Rose or something like that. And you'd get like a mast or something with the first one. And you could see there were going to be hundreds of parts to this ship. Well, there's one that's being advertised at the moment, uh, which is for the Titanic. Um, but when you toss up at the end, it'll cost you £1,400. Wow. So, no. It'd have been cheaper to build the damn thing at the time, I'm sure. It would. It would. Do you know at live TV, there was a, a really concerted effort um, in middle of 1997 because Cameron's Titanic had come out. Yeah. And there was a real effort uh, to go ahead with a film uh, to actually make a film because the sets were out there and people at live were always thinking, how can we make money? And so the plan was to, and it went so far that we actually storyline this damn thing. Um, the plan was to get out there and use those sets and make a film called Titanic 2. It didn't sink. Brilliant. Why didn't this happen? To, well, it was going to star uh, David Hasselhoff and Pamela Anderson, who were very popular at the time. Um, he is Captain Smith. She is lady with boobs or something yeah um and the whole story was going to involve russian spies on board the titanic uh whilst the thing was being chased across the atlantic by a mechanical shark wow uh, and there were serious thoughts about doing this and the only reason it didn't happen i've got some documentation somewhere i must drag it out the only reason it didn't happen was princess diana uh, died 
in yeah. Paris. Um, and less than 24 hours later, considerably less, I mean, it was probably on the Sunday after she died, all of a sudden it was all systems go. We are making a film, but it's a tribute to the people's princess. And right. if you want to see the worst film ever made, then look for Diana, a tribute to the people's princess. And if you look at the director of this film that was made, you'll find that apart from this stunning major motion picture, <laughs> the only thing that they've got to their name is a few episodes of Rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> but they were hired. I must see this. I must, a, I must see this awful cash-in. It is one of the worst things ever. It, Do you know, I seem to... Did they, like, run the promo for this in every ad break for weeks? Every ad break. But then they, once they premiered the film, they ran the bloody film about twice a week as well. It was yeah. always... Um, but it was, it was that cheap, nasty, sort of slightly misty film that it was shot on. Mm. So, it, it, again, it looked, like a, it looked like a pornography video. Uh, was it one of them women that used to do the sort of lookalikey things who played her? I think so, yeah. Her name was Amy something. Right. Something, yeah, but something like that. But that's hence why Titanic 2, it didn't sink, didn't happen. Uh, it's because Diana, a tribute to the people's princess, uh, was yeah. made instead. Just, just to thoroughly urinate on the lady's grave. I'm unsure which of those is the better outcome. I think because you've got all these Hallmark films mass-produced in America, that's what this Diana one looks like. Right. So consequently, it's, it's, it's shit. Yeah. But it's shit enough to just be the same level of shit as, you know, something made by Hallmark. Whereas I imagine that Titanic 2, It Didn't Sink, would have gone on with Hasselhoff and Anderson and all that. I imagine that would have gone to have got a certain amount of notoriety. It would have been a brilliant thing. Mm. I mean, it reminds me of Carry Ons, because, I mean, wasn't Carry On Cleo made on the set of Anthony and Cleopatra? Yes, it was. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah, so it's a sort of similar cash-in. I presume this is Kelvin McKenzie who's behind all this. It, it was usually uh, Kelvin McKenzie. Yeah. So yeah. he's some kind of... I mean, I know nothing apart from his notoriety in Liverpool, obviously. Yeah. Um, I just presume he's some sort of money bastard, is he? Well, it, it's partly that, but what you what you had, we may have touched on this last week, was at Live there was an attitude that was like the BBC was, which was, I've got an idea for a show, oh, all right, then make 50. But it would usually right. be about 50, sort of the day that someone said, oh, why don't we do topless darts? And there was a sudden order for 150 episodes. That's right. Um, so there was a certain amount of... Yeah, freedom with commissioning, but my God, it had to work, but it had to have a stunt connected to it. You know, there had to yeah. be something that would get it in the paper, even if that paper was only the Daily, Ma uh, Daily Mirror, who actually owned live TV. Um, right. Then it generated headlines, the biggest one ever being when News Bunny met Tony Blair. Um, that was... Yeah, that was in Parliament Square or something, wasn't it? It was, and um, it was because News Bunny was uh, standing to be elected. Uh, but it meant that one of the hapless sods who went inside News Bunny, the only way that he could do it legally was he had to uh, change his name by Depol to Mr. News Bunny. Um, <laughs> which, which he did. Um, 
to be fair, uh, didn't win for some reason. No, well, when you're up against the might of the Colossus that is Blur, I mean, look, we even have him now, don't we? I yeah. still can't believe that we uh, have war criminals on telly and we actually think we should listen to them. But, you know, that's not the purpose of nice things, is it? We've, we've got the whole world to make political comment and they were far happier times when we had News Bunny and... It was all a bit of a laugh back then, mate. I, I think it was all a bit of a laugh back then. You know, yeah. um, it, it, uh, it, there was there was a certain. But do you, I don't know when do, when do people start taking themselves and their political views so seriously? And television news. I mean, again, at live, probably the biggest thing that ever happened. You know, was when the IRA bombed Canary Wharf. Um, yeah, I remember where, that. No, it was a hell of a bomb. But uh, the only consideration at live TV was could we get one of the windows open and stick a camera out into the darkness yeah. and charge CNN for a feed, which they did. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think that it goes hand in hand with this. And without wishing to sound like, you know, health and safety gone mad, you know, without wishing to sound like that guy, it goes hand in hand with this risk-averse culture that we've got in this country now. You know, I mean... It's, it's now everybody's terrified of firstly offending someone and secondly getting injured or whatever it, whatever it may be. And mm. I think that the parameters that we have to live our life within now are getting so restricted that it's not even anything resembling what we would have thought of as life back then, is it? No, not at all. You know, the stuff that we used to, I mean, it's just kind of like, I remember once, and I'm not going to name names here, but I remember being ill with a cold, for example. And it was just like, you know, I was like, oh, I can't. In fact, it was like the flu. I was bloody ill. And it was kind of like, oh, right, tonight, where are we going? It's like, oh, mate, I'm ill. And that, like, what, what, what? And it was just like, you know, it was like there was no way you were getting out of a night out. It didn't matter how ill you were. Can you imagine this now? You know what I mean? I remember sitting there in this house all night, just like, oh, uh, dying with flu. And people were like that, shut up, have another drink. You're like, and you're just, you know, drinking through it. Mm. I remember at one point, because I couldn't stop coughing. I mean, can you imagine this now? I remember coughing, and someone in front of me was building a joint up, and it was like, hoof! And it all went <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I was just like, Hah! and it just <laughs> flew everywhere. And all I got was, will you fuck off with that mad cough? <laughs> now, nowadays, oh. I mean, God, they'd have had, what? They'd have had news night there. Man, yes. co man coughs on joint. <laughs> so it's kind of this this whole risk aversion thing, and everything's so damned serious these days, and it bores me. It really bores me. The fact that, you know, people are having to put a filter between their thoughts and their words, mm. you know, and I'm not talking about people who've got something particularly awful to say. I mean, just comedians or whatever it may be. Mm. And that's, that's where we are. People self-censor uh, because they fear the reprisals for holding a certain opinion. No, absolutely. I know. Uh, it's freedom of speech is the freedom to be insulted. Exactly. Uh, and it has to be. Um, I'll tell you a nice thing. Nice. When I, when I learned the, the joy of insult was um, when I was 14 and I was given an audio tape um, by a friend of mine, a C90, on which he had recorded um, Derek and Clive Come Again and about half of Derek and Clive Live, which he gave to me. Um, but I do, before he gave it to me, I was at an official, oh dear, I was at an official prize giving 
um, for, for something, something over on the Wirral. And the chap who would eventually give me the tape was sat next to me and was sat in the front row while some dignitary is making a speech. And this, this lad, Stephen, is just leaning over and whispering lines of Derek and Clive to me down my ear whilst this man <laughs> is making a speech. Um, and unfortunately, he went into the Guinness Book of World Records one where, you know, uh, Dolly coming here, I want a witness of this 10-inch uh, line of snot. And she said, <laughs> oh, no, I, and she said, oh, no, I can't. And then Dudley Moore just goes, oh, fucking stupid cow. And he, <laughs> he whispered, fucking stupid cow, down my ear, just as the Lord Murr paused. And I just went, Whoa! Oh, yes. A roar of, of absolute happiness to have heard this and to think it existed. Um, but that certainly was a point where I thought, this is brilliant. This is absolutely brilliant. This is just raw energy. And, and it was quite new at the time. I suppose the recordings yeah. were only about eight years old. Yeah. Um, absolutely song. wonderful to hear them. But then realizing very shortly after that other people maybe didn't find these recordings quite so funny because uh, uh, they were just rude. Yes, yes, yes. Well, this is the trouble and this is the world you're in now. I I'm, in many ways think that the likes of Mary Whitehouse, they won in the end. Mm. You know, they even dye the her blue, Paul. Oh, these, yeah. these people, yes. you know. Um, but yeah, it's, it's certainly not nice to mm. be told what to think and be told what to do and to be told what to say. But we live in a real age of conformity. And for some reason, in order to be accepted by society, you must conform to certain opinions. You must conform to certain belief structures. That's it. Mm. That's where we are at. And, you know, the, the old adage we used to have, which is that the solution to wrong speech is more speech. Is, is just gone, isn't it? You know what I mean? I mean, we grew up in a time whereby you would have fierce debate on the television and you w literally debate. Yeah. Because the, the art of debate being that, you know, come on, you can't exactly give your entire argument. You've got to, you know, because debates are very defined out. You've got to choose bits of it that are the most persuasive and you've got to ignore entire bits of your argument. Yes. You, you know, and, and you know how debate works. And you would get a lot of that on telly when we were growing up and you'd get things dealt with in a far more intellectual way whereby everything now is sloganeering. Everything mm. is kind of like, you know, the science that we talk about at the minute. It's, they'll take a book that thick and create a slogan out of it. And that's yeah. the science. And if well, you uh, disagree... So we, well, I don't disagree at all, but it makes me think... No, no, I'm saying we, if you dare disagree with the... Oh, yeah, the, oh, yeah, yeah. The well, orthodoxy. When did, we, when did we stop having clever people on telly? Because it's become terribly unfashionable. Now, nowadays, of course, it's all, what do you think? What do you think? Random person on the street. Oh, I think it's good. I think it's bad. Oh, they'll never agree. What happened to the days when we used to have people who were intelligent on television talking knowledgeably? From why my, gone? Well, from my limited observation uh considering i've not watched much telly in a long time uh, probably about 15 years since i watched the telly uh when was the first eccleston the series return of doctor who uh, 2005 yeah so it's about 15 years since i watched telly um so there's that uh taking into account how drunk i was for 20 years but my opinion uh jerry springer becoming popular that for mm. me seemed to sort of begat a lot of copycat shows in this country. 
mm. like Trisha, like Vanessa, like uh, who's the horrendous fucker? Who's he? Yeah, Jeremy Kyle. Jeremy Kyle, the apothe- apotheosis oh. of all this, the nadir of television. And I yeah. think that what when you're in a, a business, an industry now that for better or for worse is dictated by advertisers, um, they kind of get to call the shots. I'm sure there are nice, very nice dinners where TV people are taken out, you know, by uh, commercial interests. And, well, this sort of thing would suit this brand. Now, this year we're putting forward this, and that's a big dollar this year. If Mm. you could produce something around that theme, I I think that there's a lot of that going on. And I think that... I think that for want of a better phrase, but clever people, um, I think that clever people are unreliable because you can't rely upon them to say the right thing all the time. No, no, I suppose not. <laughs> I mean, I, if you if you think about that wonderful, and you can find it on YouTube, uh, an edition of is it Frost on Friday, David oh, yeah. Frost, um, where and and they have a very uh, it's Saturday. It was Frost on Saturday because I remember thinking, Christ, you wouldn't get this now on ITV Saturday night of David Frost and his guests, including Nicole Williamson, discussing death. <laughs> yeah. That's primetime Saturday night stuff. But isn't that better? Well, you're living in a world now, Paul, where we're meant to entertain the fantasy that we don't die. No. And, and we're meant to entertain the fantasy that we have a government that, who can save you from death. That's, yes. that's, and people believe this. Now, I don't know why anyone would believe that, but they do believe that. Um, But another great example is, what is it, 1974, when uh, Kenneth Williams and that trade union guy are on Parky? Brown? Jimmy Brown? Something like that? Yeah, is this? Something like that. Something like that. Um, And they have a mad, you know, they have a mad argument. Because the week before, isn't he been on with Maggie Smith, Kenneth Mm. Williams? And she's like, oh, don't talk such rock, Kenneth. Yes. And he's like, I've never been so insulted. Right, yeah. there's, there's that one week, hasn't there? And because yeah. of the, some argument he puts forward, Parkinson said, come back next week then, if you want, mm. and we'll do a proper show. Is it, It's something like that. And it, some, anyway, you can it find is, it out. It is. And it? I think that the other thing there when, um, that I always think of with that, with that story was when they were, before they started the recording and they were doing mic The tests, poem. The poem. Yeah. Williams... Williams performs a bit of a, a bit of a poem, and then your unionist chap does, and Williams a bit nonplussed, and so who, who wrote that? And he, me, yeah, absolutely. One of the few times I can imagine Williams being a little bit, oh yeah, off his stride after that. That's gone. That world's gone. I, I mean, I've told, I've, I've probably told it on here, haven't I? That the Dave Allen gag that he told that people not only. The audience wouldn't understand it these days, you know, and a comedian wouldn't sell it. I'm, I'm, I, did I tell that the other way about the, the Irish? Because he turned the old, you know, Paddy joke on its head. And so it was kind of, you know, Paddy turns up at the building site on the Monday morning. Oh, sorry, I'm looking for a, I'm looking for a job. Sir. I'm looking for a job. Sir. Oh, right. Hey, look, look, Paddy, I've had your sort on this building site before, right? So I've devised a little test because you're quite fit, you Paddies, right? You pass the test, you've got a job. Deal? Ah, no trouble at all, sir. No trouble at all. He's like, right then, you tell me the difference between a joist and a girder. And he's like, ah, no trouble at all, sir. Joist wrote Ulysses and Golda wrote Faust. Right? <laughs> now, could you... And, and the audience pissed themselves. They get that. Yeah. Could you imagine an audience getting that now? No. 
Absolutely no. not. No. Because we don't know things. No, we don't know nice things. Or at least we don't we don't put people on telly who know nice things. No. Um it, but, it's But that I mean, Dave Allen was just a prime time comedian. I mean, a bloody, you know, an Oof. iconic mm. figure on television. You know, looks like a French film star. Yeah. He's he's like a gigantic intellect. His dad was the editor of the Irish Times. You know, and he was all these he was all these amazing things. And also an incredibly intellectual, in- intelligent raconteur and comedian. Now, I don't believe anyone like that would get on telly now. No. Uh, I, don't, I, I, I think those people exist. I do think those people exist. Mm-hmm. It's, it's but, not that they don't exist. But, I mean, well, what is it then? Is it just that there's, there's not an audience for it? Or, as often happens with this, there's an assumption that there isn't an audience for it, so... We don't bother commissioning it, and and so on and so on. It's a, it's a, it's a kind it's a of lost one. demographic, isn't it? It's it's because what you've got now is let's say people fifty plus, mm. maybe, um, you see it all the time. That's why talking pictures is so successful because they cater to this you know lost demographic as they call it. Yeah. Um, there is a there is an audience for it, um, but. Because TV, particularly the BBC, has become so politicised over the last 10 years, 15 years, 20, I don't know. Um, what I love about that is that the left say they're biased and the right say they're biased. It's yes. amazing. And, and that leads you to think, well, maybe that means they're quite impartial. If you, oh, both, yes. if you both feel that this is... Anyway, I, I don't really... you know, I'm, I'm happy to kick the BBC sometimes, mm-hmm. um, but I don't have a licence and I don't watch it. Therefore, my opinion's not very valid because I don't watch it. It'd be mm. like you get, well, I'm certain you'd give your opinion on Netflix. Willingly. <laughs> absolutely willingly. No, absolutely yeah. not. So that kind of blows that out of the water, really. But um, Well, I've got Netflix, unfortunately. Right, okay. I've got Netflix. I've got Amazon Prime. I've got all of this. And no. There's some nice things I- on there. You told me you watched a nice thing on there. You did. You told me you watched some ship that was named the... the oh, um, the Terror. The Terror, that was it. Oh, BBC Two. Oh, okay. Was it not on one of those things then? Well, it may have been made by one of them. I wouldn't have watched it on there. I watched it on BBC Two, though. It was being broadcast from Alexandra Palace. Uh, I shan't watch it on demand. And what is your... Um, what is your uh, unifying theory, right... About when I said to you, you should watch Vikings, for example, right? <laughs> oh, you should watch The Last Kingdom or any of these things. You right. said something about the episodes were too long. There were too many episodes. What, what was that now? There was, a, there was an equation. It's always 10 episodes. Right. Always 10. Is that too um, many? Is that too many? No. no. No, no, no. I think it should be 13. All right, let's work this out. So there should be 13 episodes. There right? should be 13 episodes. So you've got a quarter of a year. They mm. should be on weekly. Weekly. Okay. Always weekly. Um, and uh, an episode should run around about the 50-minute mark. 50 minutes. Okay. Right. No now, adverts, with Netflix. Sorry? No adverts, I presume. I presume... Well, that's... That's if we've taken the adverts out. But if we are going to do this properly, uh, the commercial break, you know, the bumpers should still be left in. Cool. So that's what it should be. 
I, I have, I, I can't be doing with, so should, should we binge watch this? No. Yeah, but you do do that. Yes. You but do with, do that. With nice things. With nice things. All right, what, with, what would a binge watch look like in, at Castle Carmichael? A binge watch. I could, I could snort a good sort of uh, 12 episodes of Crossroads from 1978 with no hesitation. Ah, right. Then but, 12, right. But there's a reason. Go on. There is a reason, right? And the, and the reason is because these days I find that most drama, it seems to be that when it's being commissioned and for the last five years or so, they think, how stressful can we make this? Let's make this the most stressful thing. Oh. Speaking of stress, of their, yes, um, keep them on the edge of their seat. Well, I don't want that. No, no, I just no. want sort of uh, nice and relaxing. I don't want to watch telly to be shouted at and stressed. Right. So there is a certain meditatory quality with the TV you enjoy. Yeah, there has so, to be that. So it's a lullaby effect. Yeah. So Crossroads, for example. See, in my memory of Crossroads, not a lot ever happened. Not nothing much happened. Well, the storylines take their time developing, which right. is you know, and they they do build up very slowly. Um, over the course of fourteen years or so, about that, yeah. And uh, you can nip out for a few episodes and come back, and oh, I can pick up on this. That wasn't fine. there a, a pregnancy that went on for three years in it once or something. There, there was an eleven-month pregnancy. That yes. was it. Yeah, yeah. When um, when the actress playing the role got pregnant in real life, so it was written in, but then she miscarried, and so this being the seventies, they said, "Well, can we just keep it going on the show?" Which she agreed to. Uh, and then she got pregnant again. So, well, just keep it going. So, <laughs> 11 months that pregnancy lasted. Wasn't there a few crossovers with Crossroads and Last of the Summer Wine? Wasn't Kathy Staff in both of them? Oh, Kathy Staff. Um, and what's her name? Jane Freeman, who ran the cafe. Yeah, um, that's right. Yeah, she was in there as well. Oh, yes. That's right. Yeah. I thought there yeah. was some kind of crossover because you had that whole, he was great, wasn't he? That guy who was in Nearest and Dearest and Last of the Summer Wine, that Wally, Joe Gladwin. Glo Joe Gladwin. Joe Wonderful. Gladwin. Yeah, then he had that, didn't he? That great yeah, voice. Absolutely. Wonderful yeah. voice. Stout distillery. He had a brilliant <laughs> voice. You see, we're not making chaps like that. I could do a, I could do an entire hour about Fred Dibner, for example. You know, I, hmm. I really could. And maybe we will. Yeah, but nice things of the week, I haven't really got onto yet. So, um, right. so there's been it's been a big week actually. Yeah, these are the things that I'm most looking forward to um, look, perusing, and I'm very pleased to see that they come in their original. Where's the camera? Their original little uh, thing. There, look, the Viewmaster. So, this these are Dick Turpin Viewmasters. Continuing the Dick Turpin theme. Um, so yeah, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure that I'm sure they don't work on the telly. Um, no, for, no, they don't. But for two pound fifty for three delivered, mm. I'm happy with that. That's nice. Absolutely, it's a nice thing. Um, but you said you had a set of full circle ones. Not wishing well, to talk yeah. to who, but yes, but, but we may as well. Yeah, they were full circle and Castrovalva uh, were the two. Want um, yeah, must dig those out. Um, <laughs> But and they are beautifully shot. And of course, um, I only found out recently that Viewmaster had their own photographer 
Um, so when you see those shots from Dick Turpin, of course, those aren't stills that have then really? been treated. No, they would send, it was all organised, a photographer would come down and those would be taken during recording or filming. Right, so as my I understand it, they are two photographs taken that are slightly different in order to get Slightly different 3D. angles, that's right. I'd love to have seen the camera he had. He must have had two cameras strapped together or something to take simultaneous shots. It must have been something like that, yeah. Because um, I didn't but, know if they just took the same one shot and offset it slightly in the left eye or something, you know? No, no, it was. It was definitely two photographs. So um, it was two distinct pictures, wow. Quite possibly. It was just two cameras stuck next to each other on a plunger. And, there we go. I doubt they'd have had anything else back then. Mm. But it's interesting because if you look at it, look at the full circle one, uh, when Tom Baker was at his least happy, I think probably in the role, um, he's not at all, he's not doing any of the heavy work for these photographs. No expression or anything. Right. You can clearly see he's not bothered. Whereas Davidson and the Castrovalva ones, he's gurning all over the place and giving it loads. Tom is just standing there very cross. Wow. I, I must rather see them. Yeah, well, I mean, in that last season, he is very funereal and it all fits. Mm. Um, so this week as well, I, I'm afraid I've started down a very big rabbit hole. This is going to take me some time and a considerable amount of cash to complete yeah. this uh, thing. So, so this is this is the new collection coming at you. Um, the Christmas Nutty. Nutty comic. So um, no, no ogre books basement to thieve from these days. No. So I'm having to buy these things myself. There were 292 copies in total. I right. currently, after one week, I have something like 170 of them. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent work. You know how it works. They're not especially expensive. I mean, I got 100 of them for 50 quid, and I got, you know, you, you, they're, very, they're not very expensive. Hmm. But, um, yes, that is... You're not really a comic man, are you? Comics didn't well, I really... got the Beano. I took yeah. the Beano for the best part of a decade. Yeah, but yeah. So, well, when was Nutty? When's that date from? Uh, 1980 to about 85. I don't remember that one at all. Yeah, it was one of those that ended up being the dandy and nutty. You know, great news for all readers inside. And you'd open it up and it's like, oh, right, you're stopping making me favourite comic. Yes. Great, great news. Great news, that. Um, well, that seems like a good place to wrap with the nice things unless you've got something nice there you wish to share um no i don't know actually um no i think that's a, a very nice place to stop for the week yes well enjoy the sunshine dear are you going to have oh, a sure. nice nice barbecue in your trousers later or something absolutely not no i shall be shutting no. the curtains until sundown yes and that's as far as it goes maybe yes, a light ale later oh a light ale oh, that'd yeah. be nice dear well, enjoy the sunshine. I'm sure you, you will. You too. And uh, I shall see you next week, dear. We will see you next week. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. was composed by Michael Lipsley. This has been a Guilty Dog production.
2016.